everyone, and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today I am privileged to be joined by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman, the author of a brand new biography on Rabbi Aaron Brafman. Thank you, Rabbi Finkelman, for joining us here at Art Scroll. Thank you for having me. The truth mm-hmm. is that your presence here is really long overdue, because over the years you've written various books, and I would have loved to speak to you. Um, so I'm happy to finally have you here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, we are here to talk about the new biography about Rabbaron Brafman, an extraordinary individual, and anyone who reads this book is going to walk away totally inspired. Uh, before we get into the book, I just want to take a moment to to just go back uh, down memory lane for a moment. You've written a number of books over the years, biographies. Uh, of note, like on Rimanus Mandel is one of the well-known ones, uh, and, and some others. What was your first book that you ever wrote? It was the story of Rebel Hanan Wasserman, which uh, that book is uh, not available anymore. Okay. Actually, part, I did a book called Five Great Leaders. Right. One of the five is Rebel Hanan. But and you the, used material f- from Well, that. I really based both books on the, the adult biography of Rebel Hanan. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and that was written in the 80s? In the 80s, yes. In the 80s, so well, well over 30 years ago, probably almost 40 years by now. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Mm-hmm. And since then, you've, uh, you've been zeichet to, to publish various books. Where did someone like you get the skill of writing? I'm just curious. Uh, just practice. Practice and uh, reading. I was an avid Jewish observer reader. Okay. I used to read it cover to cover. And it was really very... Even, even as a youngster? As a teenager. A teenager. As a teenager, yeah. In yeshiva, in the dormitory, I was in charge of getting the Jewish observers delivered every month. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, once I started, I originally started with art school doing youth series books. But I have to say that uh, once I began veering off to, to adult biographies, Rav Moshe was the first one. Rav Nassim Sherman, who... Uh, actually wrote my, my bar mitzvah pshetel. Mm-hmm. He was tremendously helpful, not just uh, directly in guiding me, but when he, would, when he edited the Rav Moshe book, I kept the galleys and to, to read through his corrections. Wow. And I learned a lot. Wow. Yeah. Listen, no, no one better to learn from than Rav Nassim. That's right. That's, That's right. for sure. We all learn so much from having Rabbi Sherman here and, and consulting with him. Absolutely. And like you said, his corrections is so much to learn from. Yes. I'm speaking for myself as well. Okay. Um, you mentioned, uh, where, where did you learn as a youngster? You were talking about yeshiva. I learned uh, most of my years in Tarvadas, uh-huh. then Adelphi, Barmer Hershkowitz, that's all. Oh, wow. And then Lakewood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you eventually went into the field of Chinuch. Yes. Which you're still a Rebbe today, Kenai Nahara. Many years later, teaching at Dachi Taira. Yes. And somehow you have time to write books as well. It's a, it's a balancing act, I'm sure. I try my best. <laughs> you try your best. Now, sure. biography, writing a book is one thing. Writing biography is a whole different animal, like they'll say. It's a whole different undertaking because you're, you're trying to depict for people what a certain person was about. You wrote the Ramosha biography, which is a, a classic. Um, and now you embarked on writing a biography about Ramar and Brafman. Before we get to Rabbi Brafman specifically, how does a person go about doing that? Well, 
First thing is it's easier if you knew the person to at least some degree. I didn't know Rabbi Moshe, but we all knew Rabbi Moshe. Mm-hmm. He was the God Ladar. Uh, with Rabbi Brafman, I actually had some uh, connection. As, as I write in the preface to the book, I was a kid in ninth grade in Tarvadas when he was a Rebbe already in Tarvadas. And uh, my first encounter with him was walking in the hall one day, my first days in the yeshiva, and I see this young, slight man walking, surrounded by Bachram, some of them towering over him, and hanging on to every word he was saying. I just was like so taken by the sight. I said to a friend of mine, oh, who's that man? He said, his name is Rabbi Brafman. They gave him the hardest class. Mm. That was the first time I ever saw Baron Brafman. And then when I became a Rebbe, years later in, in Darchi Terem Farakaway, I uh, taught his son, uh, Ram Baruch, Rabbi Ram Baruch, in sixth grade. And uh, I got to know Rabbi Brafman as a parent in the class. Mm-hmm. And I met him at a simcha, we schmoozed. And I saw he's a, was a, you know, a, as soon as you met him, you saw this is a very special person. Mm-hmm. And you saw right away this is a person that thinks about Klal Yisrael all the time. Klal Yisrael is on his mind all the time, even though he wasn't the Galobi Yisrael. He wasn't someone that people are coming to ask Aetis about Klal Yisrael, making decisions about Klal Yisrael. But his Noise Ba'al was so unusual that in conversation, he was just talking about the situation in Eretz Yisrael. With me at Uchasana, he was speaking about this, this, the overindulgence in Gashmias in America. What can we mm-hmm. do about it? Because it's not good for the, for the younger generation. And um, I'm saying, so the first thing is, if you know the person to some degree, that's already a help. That's a big help. That's yeah. a help, a help. But then you have, to, you have to do a lot of interviews. You get mm-hmm. to meet people that knew the person well, and you see what they, what they had to say about him, not just the stories, but how they felt about him. In the case of Rabbi Brafman, I have to say that I heard from so many Talmudim or saw it in, in, uh, in writing that when Rabbi Brafman passed away, I cried and cried. Mm. And uh, you don't always hear that. It showed that there was something very special about this man as a Rebbe, as a, as a guide, as a mashpia, that the Talmudim felt so attached to him. And... Um, I'm saying you have to get a, f- when doing a biography, everything is Seat the Shema. First thing is Seat the Shema. But after that, you have to get a feel for the subject. And the only way to do that is by speaking, speaking to, to people. people who knew him. And you do most of those conversations are in person or, or by telephone? or Most of by telephone. By tele- and you take yeah. notes as you speak to the person, I, I imagine? I take notes and very often I have a, re- I put a, a speakerphone, I record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you could reference it uh, later. Right, that's right. Right. And then you, do you start writing at, at the beginning, or do you first kind of collect all of it and then begin writing a book, or is, does it depend on the subject? I always start writing right away. I don't let everything pile up. Mm-hmm. But um, I've done, sometimes I've tried to categorize things right away. In the case of the Rabbi Brafman, uh, I did, I think, over 100 interviews. Wow. So uh, I just, I found it easier to just... You know, t- write up the interview, and when I thought I had enough material, start figuring out where it should go. That's right. Yeah. This book is very unique in 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 the the warmth, and you were talking about his Nasias oil. Which it's it's really remarkable the stories that you have in the book, and I didn't read all of them, but I read some of them. Um, whether it was traveling with the Talmud if after Tira of of his parent and. 
and uh, or, or the Talmud walking in and finding him in tears and finding out because a, a soldier had been killed in Eretz Yisrael, yeah. and and that was who Rabbi Brafman was. He was he was Malay Regesh. He was a person who was who, who he kind of wore his emotion on his sleeve very much. And I was like uh, to to meet him quite a few times. If I may interrupt for a moment, yeah. it's important to point out, and it's in, it's mentioned in the book. Talking, the way we're talking about him, you'd think he, walked, he would walk around worried all day. Right. He was a happy person. He was a positive, upbeat person. And he was able to balance that with his Nasiya. So I think that was, that yeah. was the godless. Yes. That he was yeah. a very happy person, yes. but, he, but he was able to internalize what other people were going through. Right. That's right. Um, sometimes people who are very exalted, uh, it's hard to try to emulate characteristics because they're just beyond our comprehension. So much, I think, Rabbi Brafman personified, and you could tell me if you agree, and what I'm taking from this book, is are, are things that really all of us simple people could really learn from, about caring about other people, about noticing things that maybe other people don't notice, the, you know, that type of thing. Especially as a Manal, he was in a position to really take these uh, Talmidim's concerns and feelings to heart. Yes. And um, his... The fact that, as you say, he noted things that other people didn't know, it wasn't only with Talmidim. He, he was with everybody. Is that one of the st- stories that really took, uh, I was really taken by, was he, on the, he, he had a car. It was really, he took a train. One day, he took the LIRR to Manhattan. He had a speaking engagement. And in the train, he hears a young from lady on the phone crying uh, because of her personal situation. Now, another person would have just, he didn't know the lady, but when she hung up the phone, he went over to her, gave him her, a paper with her, his phone number, and said, I might be able to help you. If you want to call, here's my number. And she called, and he helped her. He helped her. Later, one of Brother Brafman's grandchildren met the girl's mother, and the one that I believe started crying and said, your grandfather saved my daughter. She saved her. So, uh, so, as you, so he, he noted everything. He also had a tremendous pikkos, a tremendous insight into human nature, and it helped him so much in being able to mold each Talmud in his specific way. Mm-hmm. The very first story in the book, if I can give it away, sure. is... Uh, there's, there's enough to read in the book. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was a Bacher who was having a tough time. He was a 10th grader. He was not doing well. Rebbe would find him here and there and send him back to class. And one day the boy decided, you know, I'm going to not go to class today. I'm going to play in the gym, but the gym is locked. So the night before, when the gym was officially open, he put something by the door so that it didn't shut all the way. Mm-hmm. The next morning, he came into the gym during learning time. He didn't turn on the lights. No one should see him. and began to play basketball. The door opens up, and there's Rabbi Raffin. And he said, he said, he's told over the story, he said, I'm going to get it now, and I deserve it. And Rabbi Raffin looked at him and said, you know, at that, by that time, it was really recess time. By the time he mm. called him, it was really recess time. He said, you know something? It's a shame you're in the gym. It's a nice day outside. The boys are having a snowball fight. Why don't you go join them? Mr. Rabbi Raffin understood that this boy was in a, not a good place, and he didn't need the Muslims right now. He knew what he did was wrong. And it turned the boy around. And wow. the boy was Matzleach in the end. Wow. So. The, well, any other stories that come to mind? There are some remarkable stories. So so many remarkable stories. I'll mention as as you try to think what what 
what struck me, and I'll, I'll share something with our viewers when we were having internal discussions here at Art School about the book. So you know what it is. There are always conversations, what to call the book, what to subtitle the book. Yes. You've been down this road so many times. And then we're fortunate to have Rebelli Crone who designs yes. gorgeous covers and so on and so forth. One of the options for the subtitle of the book had the word Menahel in it. A caring Menahel, a loving Menahel. I don't remember exactly what it was. And someone noted that the word Menahel doesn't always have a positive connotation because a Menahel is someone who is, you know, enforcing the law, so to speak. It's so interesting that Rabbi Brafman, it, there was a dichotomy there because he was a Menahel, Yeshiva Derechesen of Farakwe, one of uh, uh, the outstanding Moistas Hatayra in, in the Farakwe Five Towns area. And much of that thanks to Rabbi Brafman. So he had to enforce the law, so to speak. But at the same time, he had the most caring, sensitive personality. You don't always find that going hand in hand. Right. And he could be tough. When he needed to, he could be tough. But the boys, and this was told to me by so many Talmidim, Talmidim who started off not doing well. Now, other shivas maybe wouldn't have taken them, but they said that they knew, they knew he loved them. So even when he was disciplining them, they knew it came from a place of love. One story that just came to mind was where uh, a boy did something really awful. I don't know what he did, but he was actually expelled, which was very rare. And by the way, Rebrafman never expelled a Talmud. I mean, rarely did he expel a Talmud. But if he ever did, he, ne- he always found the boy another yeshiva. Mm-hmm. Never put him in the street. Never, ever would do that. Right, this time they felt the boy has to be expelled. So they called a meeting of the Hanhala and the parents. Parents came down. Rebrafman explained the situation. The parents said, there's nothing for us to say. You explained what he did, and we have to say you're right. There's nothing for us to do. Rabbi Braffin says, okay, and um, I need a right to leave the office. For, I need to be alone for a couple of minutes. I'll resume the meeting right away. No one knows what is going on. They left the office. About five minutes later, they called him back, and he said, there's been a change. We decided we take, we, the boy's staying. He's staying in the yeshiva. Later, of course, the, the parents left. What happened? He said, his parents are not advocating for him. A boy needs an advocate. If, if his parents will not be the advocate, we have to be the advocate. We're not sending him away. Wow. And Rabbi Brafman took him under his wings, and the boy turned out fine. He was Masleach with him. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. So he was really... The, the, a, a trima, he really an, an unbelievable mechanach. Yeah. And, and, uh, and in a certain way, you could say that he was... He was uh, uh, what do you say, a man before his times in ahead terms of, of time. uh, he yeah. was ahead of his time in terms yeah. of his, his chinuch intuition. Yes. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the things that we hear today, which is credit to the evolving chinuch system and the outstanding rabbeim and teachers who staff our schools today, who really, really uh, superhuman efforts to understand children and, and to apply the, the, the boundless love and care for the children, the, so much of that that's in vogue today Rabbi Brafman had five decades ago, That's right. right? In the 1970s. That's 1970s, right. when he started. Right. That was really pre the contemporary Chinuch scene. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, talk about that for a second, because you, you yourself, you're a Mechanach, and here you're writing about him, and you're hearing these stories about him, many of which took place early in his career uh, as he was evolving as a Mechanach on his own, and he seemed to just really understand that the way to a child's heart is with that genuine care and concern. 
Yes, and also the insight he had to know exactly what he was telling. We sure Kalish, who's a Chashiva Rav and a great Talmud Chacham, was, I think, I think taught in the yeshiva, in yeshiva for about 40 years, is also a cousin to Rabbi Brafman. He said that Rabbi Brafman did not come across as brilliant, but he was. He was, he was a brilliant Talmud Chacham, and he was brilliant in his insight into people. He said he was always like a step ahead of everybody else in figuring out the, the Bacham. Mm-hmm. He, he just knew, he understood, I guess also with great siyata d'shmai, he understood what each particular bachar needed. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you'll soon be hearing from Rabbi Dov Kielsen, one of his closest Talmidim, who uh, also, he, Dov was not a troublemaker, but uh, he, today's in Mashgiach and Mesifta Chaim Shlomo, that's not the, uh, but he should talk about it more than I should, that's not where he saw himself when he came to Yeshiva for Rakaway. Mm-hmm. It was only through Rabbi Brafman's love and guidance that he became what he right. is today. Now, from your research and, and from the hundred some odd interviews that you did, who would you say was the one or two individuals who really framed Rabbi Brafman and, 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 and kind of helped mold him into who he became? Uh, one was definitely his grandfather, his father's father, Rabbi Ram Baruch Brafman who didn't have, I don't believe he had any, any official position as a Rav, but he was a great Talmud Chacham. And Rabbi Brafman's father went off to, to the, was drafted into the United States Army, I think before he was even born, and he didn't see his father for the first, uh, I think, two, three years of his life. Mm-hmm. They lived by the grandparents. Mm-hmm. He became very close to his grandfather, and his grandfather had a tremendous influence on him, very big influence on him. And in Taravadas, his main rabbeim in Taravadas was Rabbi Uwar, Rabbi Gedal Yeshur, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and Rabbi Rampam, Sukharim Levracha. Those were his three main rabbeim. He, and he, uh, it, you know, the book talks about his right. relationship, his relationship with, all, with, with all three of them. He was very close with them, and he learned a lot. It's, it, Rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov used to go to Florida the last uh, 10 years of his life, wintertime. And once Rabbi Abrafin found out that that day he was going to be at JFK on his way to, to Florida. JFK is a 15-minute drive from the yeshiva. So he went with all the rabbeim to greet Rabbi Yaakov. And Rabbi Yaakov was in a wheelchair in the airport. He was in a wheelchair. When he saw Abrafin, he stood up for him. Wow. Yeah, they were very close. In fact, one of the cover collage pictures is at the chasana of Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov was in Yes. By the wedding. Yes, so they, wow. those four people, his grandfather and Rav Shur, Rav Yaakov, and Rav Palm, were his... Mm. That, I mean, that's quite a, yes. quite a lineup to learn from. Yes, that's right. And he was and, able to, yeah, really, really right. gain so much. Right. If I can add, uh, another great meter that Rav Brafman excelled in was Emes. Everything had to be Emes. How we dealt with the person had to be Emes, and his dealings were Emes. How the yeshiva ran had to be Emes. How his day camp ran had to be Emes. And Rapam and Rabbi Yaakov were both known that they were outstanding in Midas HaEmes. In in Rapam's own word to his children, by us, a word is a contract. And Rabbi Rafman had that chinuch from his rebellion. Mm -hmm. I was amazed whenever I visited uh, their chesan, my uncle, uh, uh, the Honorable Jerry Feller, Zichrenu Racha, lived in Farakway, a few doors down from Rabbi Rafman, a mater court. So I was a few times to, to be there in Farakway, to be the Vashabas, to be in the Yeshiva. And uh, as an outsider, so to speak, I was always so taken by the mutual respect between 
the Roshiva, Rabbi Per, and Rabbi Brafman. They were, they were one unit. And Talmidim talk about it. They could talk about it much more personally. But I'm just speaking as an outsider. And I'm sure you, you came across this when you were writing the book, that unique relationship between Rosh Hashiva and Menahel. Yes, it was really unusual. It's mentioned in the book more than once because so many people spoke about it. One of the first people I interviewed was Rabbi Parashli to the Rosh Hashiva. And uh, his love for Rabbi Rafa was very apparent in the interview. He thanked me at the end of it. He said, thank you for bringing him back to some degree by speaking about him. That's wow. what he said to me. But he, he, Rabbi Parashli said it by the Levaya, and he told to me directly, I believe, he said that they, they worked together for almost 50 years. He said, we disagreed, we never had an argument. Mm-hmm. So we disagreed. But, and the, the respect was incredible. Was also, they had tremendous respect and love for each other. Rabbi Brafin was such an anav, he considered himself like a Talmud before Rabbi Per. He would sit by the shmuzim of Rabbi Per with the bachrim and take notes of the shmuzim. He viewed himself as a Talmud of Rabbi Per, wow. which is also shows some, more of his godless. You mentioned earlier his, his concern for Klal Yisrael, and you also mentioned your reading of the Jewish Observer, which is interesting because the Jewish Observer was one of the mediums uh, that Rabbi Brafman used to express that Ahavas Yisrael. He was a, a superb writer and a very talented speaker as well. He would speak by the Agatha Convention at different places. But I was just re- recalling that, that he, I remember reading his articles, even as a youngster, Rabbi Brafman would, from time to time, you know, write on different topics of the day, you know, uh, expressing really taking, here's a busy manal, I'm sure he had enough on his plate to keep himself occupied, but like you said, he was, he was a, a, a claw man, very, very much so. Yes, we have a whole chapter of the book that's devoted to his Jewish Observer articles. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant articles, the Hashkafa is classic, and you could, they, you could they were long articles, you could, we just excerpted them. Mm-hmm. You could see how much effort and time went, went into, into those articles. But also, the fact that he cared so much First, first of all, in the articles you see, he was Roya Esanoyla. He, he was able to see ahead, like with a Bachar, he could see mm-hmm. what the Bachar could become. He would see where, Klaal, where things were heading with euthanasia, mercy killing. He wrote about it in the 1970s. We have to be careful because who knows how it could affect. And he, and he said afterwards that people were upset with him. They said, What are you sounding the alarm bells for? This, is not, this doesn't relate to us. We're not going to do these things. And unfortunately, now we see how. Prevalent how prevalent, how dip, and how Klaus Shol is busy with it. You know, how careful we have to be when the person goes into the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one thing. Another thing is, is that, as you said before, he was such a busy person just as Manal and busy with individual problems and busy with his articles. And he took the time, and this is to me something unbelievable, to run a day camp every summer. Instead of going on vacation, the man worked so hard, he ran a day camp where he hardly ever took any money out of it. He, didn't draw, he, he only took a salary if there was a surplus. And it was hardly ever a surplus mm-hmm. because if anybody said they couldn't pay, he didn't charge them. He just did it because people needed a day camp for their children. Who does things like that? A person who's L'Shem Shemayim. That's right. They, no, no, nothing yeah. else was on his agenda. Right. Nothing else yeah. was on his agenda. Yeah. It's really, really unbelievable. Now, as we wrap up our conversation... People in Mircham are going to go out to buy the book. What, what, what's your wish? What, what should be the takeaway? Um, like any biography, first of all, I feel should be read more than once. You have to uh, 
biography is not just to, you know, you read a novel, you want to just enjoy the novel. A biography about a great person, we want to learn, we want to gain, we want, we want to become better from reading it. And to do that, I think we have to try to read it more than once. But uh, with, with this particular book, I think a person can come away realizing that I don't have to be a God will be Israel, and in my own way, I can have an impact. And even in, even in my own Dal Amis, I can do great things just by truly caring, translating that caring into whether it's davening or giving staka, whatever it is. That's what being a Yid is all about. As the Sivrachayim Balashan, says Shalom Kolam is saying that man's purpose in this world is to do for others. Mm-hmm. That's what you saw in Rabbi Rappan. He lived for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he lived for others. On that note, Rabbi Finkelman, first of all, Mazel Tov on this release. Thank you. Uh, as you alluded to before, how much time and effort go- goes into such a book. It's really, only the author really knows. Uh, so congratulations on putting together really what's a masterpiece, a masterpiece of a biography about a masterpiece of a person. Um, and the Mir Tashem, uh, our hope is, just like your other previous volumes which have inspired so many people, Mir Tashem, this book will inspire young and old, and we continue. Uh, we, we wish you continued Hatzlacha. Amen. Same to you. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.